Turn with me to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, please. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, we have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one. And go to Hebrews 4. Let's go further this evening. Hebrews 4 and verse uh, 14. Hebrews 4 and 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. You know, Phyllis gave a testimony a couple of weeks ago about a lady she sent in and said when she first came to visit us, she just didn't understand why we're always making these confessions. That I, you know, I'm leading you and we're saying this and we're all saying it out loud. They didn't do that in her church where she came from. And, and so uh, she just decided she'd start doing it and her family made fun of her. Particularly she's talking about, you know, I'm getting my houses and buildings and lands. You know, all my debts are, are being reduced and eliminated. They just laughed at her and made fun of her. But a few months later, they quit laughing when it started happening. <laughs> and now you couldn't get her to change. Well, people have uh, heard and preached and believed religion instead of the Bible. Uh, I mean, it's just as plain as you can see in the book of Hebrews. Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession. What we say. He works with what we say. And certainly, I mean, you know, most any uh, person that believes in the new birth believes Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God raised you from the dead, you'll be saved. I mean, how many people believe that? All over the place. Well, if that's how we get in this thing, why would we think it's different to continue and walk in faith? It's the same way. You believe in your heart. You say with your mouth, and in Mark eleven twenty four, it's just saying the same thing. Uh, if you believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth, you'll have what you say. It's just saying the same thing. Romans ten nine and ten is saying. So uh, that's why we do it, and uh, don't take our word for it. Search it out in the scriptures. Look up every verse that talks about this, and you'll see what we're talking about. But he is our great high priest, and verse. Uh, 15 says, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Back over to Hebrews 2, 2 and uh, 17 says, In all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he's able to succor or to help them that are tempted. Another translation, the Living Bible says, He is wonderfully able to help us. When? When we're tempted. Is the Lord able to help us when we're tempted? Does he know what we're dealing with? Yes. And we've gone into great detail about how it is not a sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted. And how was he tempted? In all points, in every way, just like us. Now, you know, it's easy to say that, and we read it right from the Bible, but a lot of people don't believe that. They just can't imagine Jesus being tempted to do stuff that I've been tempted to do. 
They can't imagine. They can't and don't want to imagine Jesus being tempted. But he was. I said he was. Does it make him less? Because he was tempted. No. Because it's not a sin to be tempted. Where does the sin come in? When you yield to the temptation. You give in. Or to use the scripture phraseology. You enter into the temptation. So we looked at a number of things concerning sin. What is sin? We said sin is violation of light. Any number of scriptures that talk about what sin is, but you can boil it down to that. Let me give you these things, these couple of things that we've already referred to just in review. Three things you need to know about sin. Sin is real. Sin, not imaginary. Sin is real. Sin is a deceiver. It's a subtle tricker, a deceiver, and sin is a killer, isn't it? And then about you and I and anybody on the planet that has sinned, and that's everybody (laughs) except for Jesus. He was tempted in all points, just like us, with this exception. He never sinned. He never yielded to it. But everybody who has ever sinned knew it was wrong. Did you hear me now? And don't say, well, I don't know if that's true or not. No, get this settled now. (laughs) If you didn't know it was wrong, it couldn't have been sin to you. Because sin is violation of light. Don't take my word for it. Get in the sixth chapter of the book of Romans. Camp there for a while. The fifth chapter, actually four to eight, those four chapters. And it talks about that where no law is, sin's not imputed. When you don't have light. And Jesus talked about, you know, we went into some detail in John where that he said, I'm come that they that see might be made blind and those that are blind might see. And the Pharisees, they spoke up and they said, what, are we blind too? He said, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see. So your sin remains. I want you to quote Jesus on that. Say it out loud. If we were blind, we we would have no sin. What does that mean? If you didn't see it, if you didn't know it was wrong, now you could, now just because you don't know it's wrong, don't mean you can't make a mistake. And doesn't mean it won't cost you. But it's not sin. Sin is not imputed where there is no law, or we could say with the New Testament included, where there is no light. So everybody who has ever sinned, and that is everybody, except Jesus, knew it was wrong. Now, you'll find thousands of people that will try to tell you they didn't know, but they're lying. They knew. There was a point in their heart where they knew, and they went past it, and they overrode it. Every time, everybody. And also everybody that has ever sinned, and that's everybody except Jesus, did not have to, could have resisted instead of giving in. That's why we had to repent. Hmm? That's why we had to come to the Lord and confess our sin 
admit that we had sinned. And see, in that admission, you're admitting, I knew better. I knew it. I saw it. There's no excuse. But I'm asking you to forgive me. There is no excuse for sin. Thank God there's forgiveness and cleansing. But there's no excuse. And we live in a world that those kind of phrases are politically incorrect and not welcomed. Because people, you know, want to play with their sin. And the word sin is not even used in a lot of places. You know, so-and-so is having a problem. So-and-so is working on something. So-and-so has an issue. And they can work on it for ten years. And people cry and go, I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I tried not to. But it just overwhelmed me. It was just bigger than I could could deal with. And I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. And you're lying. (laughs) You're lying. (laughs) You did know. (laughs) And you could have done something different. (laughs) But how many understand a lot of folk are playing church? And they're playing about Christianity. And you won't be free. The Bible says if you confess and forsake your sin, you'll get mercy. But if you try to hide it and cover it, you won't prosper. Well, go with me tonight to another place. Over in the... uh, Where are you right now? You're still in Hebrews? Well, let's go to the 12th chapter. Last uh, time I taught you on this... We ask the question, how can we keep from falling? How do we keep from yielding to temptation? How can we be safe from sin? And I gave you an acronym that the Lord gave me. FAR. F-A-R. Which is where we want to be. From sin. Somebody say FAR. And the first one, the F, is for what? Follow the leadings of the Spirit. You know, if you'll walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we'd follow the leadings of the Lord, instead of being at the wrong place at the wrong time where we shouldn't be, when we shouldn't be, we'd always be at the right place at the right time, and He'd help us miss the devil's setups. Come on now, if we'd follow the Spirit... Secondly, what's the A for? Avoid temptation. The Bible says don't make provision for the lust of the flesh. Don't give your flesh opportunity. And neither give place to the devil. Don't give him any opportunity. Somebody say no opportunity. We read in Proverbs where the wise man is warning his sons and talking about the wayward woman and the prostitute and saying, don't go near the door of her house. What does that mean? Well, it's telling you it's easier to resist the temptation three miles away (laughs) than it is sitting in front of the house watching the ladies go back and forth on the porch. If you're tempted to drink, it's easier to resist temptation where there is no alcohol. There's just none around you. If you're tempted to do drugs, I know a friend of mine is in ministry, been in ministry for years now. 
and has a wonderful church and a wonderful, I mean, wonderfully used of God. But what, 30 some years ago, his brain was half fried from doing hard drugs. I mean, he just wasn't himself. And, you know, he had almost died and he had been in trouble with the law and every other kind of thing. I mean, it just blesses me thinking about where God brought him from to where he is right now. I mean, it's amazing. Because people would have looked at him at that point in his life and thought, well, you know, he won't make it till he's 25. But he did. I said he did. And he's married and he's got a wonderful family and he's got a strong church. Somebody say glory to God. How many believe God can pull you up out of the dung heap? And set you with princes like the Bible said. Can he do it? If you'll believe it. And so I knew his testimony. But one uh, oh, a year or so ago I was with him. We were doing something. And of course that's far distant past in his life at this point. But I asked him. I said uh, tell me again how God got you out of that. And, and you know because I'm always wanting to learn things. Don't you? And uh, I knew some of it. But I, I want to hear it again. And, and he said well. I got a hold of the word, and it began to put faith in me, and I began to believe I could come out instead of believing my case was hopeless and I'd die where I was. And I got a faith in me, and I got a vision. He said, but one of the biggest things I did is I got away from my friends. And I knew that. That's what I was looking for. I knew that was one of the biggest deals. And that's where people mess up so many times. They come and they get saved. They get in church. They get delivered. They get free. But they don't separate themselves from other people that are living that lifestyle. And they kid themselves that they are not going to slide back in. I said they kid themselves. Adam and Eve, we studied that two weeks ago. Hanging around the tree, looking at it, thinking about it, right? And see, it's pride to think, oh, I can handle it. Oh, no, I won't do it. Hey, if you used to be into it up to your eyes, don't kid yourself. It's there. The temptation is there. And you need to put as much distance between you as possible. What's the A for? Avoid temptation. Stay away from it. Don't go near the door of the pusher's house. Don't go near your friend. I don't care. Well, we grew up together. We're buddies. We're, you know, we're this. That's my boy. That's my girl. I'm sorry. If they're still living the drug life and you don't want to, you can't run with them. They can come your way. You don't need to go back their way. And the best thing you ever did for them. And so I'm not saying this is easy. Because sometimes people will look at you and they go, I thought we were friends. Man, we grew up together. I thought, why don't you want to hang with me anymore? It can be hard. But if you'll pay attention to your heart, you'll know the Lord's telling you, you can't. You can't. Tell them come to church with you. (laughs) Well, they ain't going to do that. Well, then it's their call. They're separating themselves from you, and they're asking you to choose between the Lord and them. And that decision should already be made. And let me tell you, now listen, this is 
the wisdom of the Lord, and it's some small experience on my part, the greatest thing you ever did for your family and any of your friends was go all the way with God. <laughs> they may not think so. At the time, they may think you're leaving them. They may think you're writing them off, but you know you're not. What you're doing in time to come, if you'll follow God all the way, even if it seems like y'all grow apart and you go away from them, if you'll follow God all the way, there'll come a time when you can help them. You'll get built up. You'll grow. God will bless you. He'll put faith in you. He'll put strength in you. He'll give you money and resources. And there could come a time where you could be in a position to help them. But if you go back to them, you're the one that needs help yourself. And you can go right back down like the, you know, sow that was washed back to her wallowing in the mud. So uh, there's a reason why we're talking about this tonight now. You can't run with the crowd that you used to that are still doing those things and realistically think that you're not going to get sucked back in. It's not Bible. It's not true. You've got to separate yourself. God will raise up friends that love God for you. Hmm? I didn't say it'd be easy always. It can be hard. It can be tough on your soul. But if you want to live, if you want to obey God, if you want to be free and stay free, how many think it's a good thing to stay free? Glory to God. You can be. How many understand that some of this is not just Keith talking tonight? Okay. Separate yourself. Some of say avoid Avoid. Avoid. Are there some places you ought not go? Are there some things you ought not be a part of? Yes. Yes. And what if people make fun of you? Oh, so-and-so got saved. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're holy, holy, holy now. (laughs) Let them talk. You know what God's done for you. And if you don't want to lose it, stay clear. Stay clear. What was the third one we began to introduce a couple of weeks ago? F-A-R. Follow the Holy Spirit. Avoid sin. Then what? The R stands for resist. How can you keep from falling into sin? How can you keep from yielding to temptation? Failing? How can you? Follow the leadings of the Lord. Avoid temptation. Well, now let's talk about this for just a moment. If I follow the leadings of the Lord every day, and if I avoid temptation, can I get completely away from temptation? Did Jesus? <laughs> no. So what if I'm following the leadings of the Holy Spirit? I am. And I am avoiding sin. But I'm still tempted. Temptation Finds me. (laughs) I'm trying to stay away. (laughs) But temptation is there. What do I do now? Resist. 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 Somebody say resist. Come on, help me out here. Resist. Resist. If you look up that word, it means stand against. It means withstand. What do you do? Stand against it. How many understand that's the opposite of giving in to it? 
And what do you do after you've stood against it and stood against it and stood against it and stood against it and having done all, you stood against it. Now what do you do? You stand against it some more. You just ain't never, I know that's bad English, ain't never given in. Not today. Not tomorrow. Not no, but never no. Absolutely no. No today, no this afternoon. Now the reason I say this is because the devil is a persistent cuss. Have you found this out now? Oh man, he will bug you with stuff. He will bring it to your mind 900,000 times. You know what I'm talking about. He'll bring it to you. 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 And if you're going to be an overcomer and not fall and fail again in that area, you're going to have to say no, 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 no. You know, I've been saying no for 30 days. Well, the answer is still the same. No. If it was wrong six months ago, it's still wrong. The reason I say that is because the enemy wears people down. And I mean, they start out sometimes good. Oh, man. They take a stand. No way. That ain't right. Uh, No way. But you understand, he will stay on it for years. Somebody say years. I'm thinking of the case now of a man... Ministry wonderfully, I mean amazingly used of God. But some of his people around him began to tell him he was more than just a preacher. He was was an amazing one. He was the uh, messenger of the covenant. That's a title referring to Jesus. He was this and he was that. Well, he said, quit talking that. That's not right. Don't say that again. So they didn't for six months. And then they began to talk it again, you know, just a little bit. Yeah, but look at the stuff that's happening in your ministry. That's not happening in anybody's ministry. And really, we don't think anybody's really doing anything for God besides you. He said, don't say that. And he resisted that for years. Somebody say years. Years. Say it again, years. Years. But over a course of years, somebody got his ear one point on it. And, you know, I think you are this. And you're just not acknowledging it. And people need to acknowledge what you are and who you are. And he began to entertain it a little bit. And then it got worse and worse and worse. And eventually, over a course of years, somebody say years, yes. he, one of his major things is he's proclaiming who he was and what he is, taking titles that should belong to Jesus. And not long after that, he's dead at a young age. Ministry cut short. I say that to bring attention to this. The enemy is persistent. He'll work on something with you for years. Somebody say years. Yes. Years. And if you're going to be an overcomer, what do you do? Follow the leadings of the Lord every day so that you don't give the devil an opportunity. Avoid temptation, everything you know. 
But then that alone is not going to prevent you from ever being tempted. Temptation will still come. So what do you do when you've done everything you know to do to stay out of it, but temptation is still coming to you? What do you do? You resist. Somebody say resist. Resist. Say it again. Resist. Resist. You resist. And then after you've resisted, what do you do? And what about next year if it's still bugging you? You resist, 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 resist. Resist. Now look with me in Luke the fourth chapter. Because we're going to look at the ultimate example of resisting. Do you know who it is? It's the one who was tempted in all points. Just like us. Yet without sin. So he overcame every time. He never gave in to temptation. Never. Not one time. Proven it could be done. As a human being. Says, yeah but that's Jesus brother Keith. He did it as a man. How many understand if he did it as God. And he expects us to do it as humans. That ain't fair. <laughs> we could accuse him of being. We say God hey. I ain't God. I'm just a man. You don't know what it's like. Not being omniscient. And not being omnipotent. And not being everywhere present. Yeah, but he does. I said he does. That's why we keep reading those two verses in Hebrews 4 and Hebrews 2. In all points, he's made like us. He's tempted in every way and point, just like us. He must have become human, just like us. And yet, as human, as a man, he never gave in. Prove it. It could be done. And then he tells us, because he has been tempted like this, he himself is able to wonderfully help us. When we are tempted, oh, that ought to excite us. We ought to know (laughs) he knows how to do it. Do what? Overcome. He knows how to resist. He knows how to win every time. And not fail and not, not be overcome. And he's here available to us to help us every day and every night. Well, this is, you know, almost everybody that's read the Bible at all knows the account of Jesus being tempted in uh, Matthew 4 and Luke 4 is some of the most prominent places that are mentioned. But let's look in Luke 4 and let's study it a little bit. Let's see how Jesus overcame. Let's observe him because it'll work the same for us, won't it? Luke 4 and verse 1. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He is being led by the Spirit, isn't he? And yet, is he about to be tempted? Yes, he is. But did he overcome every one of them and not yield to one of them? He did not fail. He did not fall. Led by the Spirit. Now, let's put this in context of what has just happened in his life. Prior to this, he's about uh, how old? 30 years of age. And he is baptized in the River Jordan. And what happened? The Holy Spirit came on him 
in a bodily shape and form as a dove. And not until this time has all this anointing and power come on him. And how many understand as soon as this happens, he's subjected to this night and day, 40 days and nights of temptation. Isn't he? Is that coincidence? That these two things happen together? No. And it's going to touch on what we're going to get to later. I don't think tonight we'll be able to get to it. But oh, there's some exciting things. You know, to talk about about those that overcome temptation. We'll touch on it tonight, but maybe get into it in detail later. Why now? Why didn't the enemy subject him to this kind of intense temptation when he was 18? When he was 20? 25? Why? This anointing hadn't come on him until now. And the devil is not just scared of him as a man. But this anointing terrifies him. Why? How many know what anointing does? It destroys yokes. Well, who's in the yoke business? (laughs) The devil. It removes burdens. Who's in the burden business? I mean, the devil can work hard to get somebody in a terrible bondage for 20 years, and the anointing can remove it in a millisecond. (laughs) Got to be frustrating to the devil. All your work. Poof. Jesus made this statement. He said, if I cast out devils by the finger of God, how much does it take? See, the devil likes to try to boast himself up to be some kind of equal opposite to God. Are you kidding me? He's a created being who's fallen and lost his place. And devils never wrestle with the Holy Ghost. Never. Ever. There's no contest. There is no struggle between the Holy Ghost and demons. Somebody say, finger of God. And the Bible talks about the relative power of God. The Bible talks about the hand of God. The Bible talks about the arm of God. Talking about His power. But here we're talking about people being delivered by finger power. So what that means is people were oppressed. Well, I mean like the madman of Gadara. I mean, he's got a whole city and area scared, you know, silly. And uh, Jesus says, shut up and come out of him. And the Holy Ghost goes, boom. <laughs> Ain't nothing the devil can do about it. I've said... When all this anointing, when the Holy Spirit came on Jesus in the bodily shape and form as a dove, the Bible said he had the spirit without measure. The devil was terrified. Because he knew if Jesus mixed faith with that anointing and acted on it, it would devastate his works everywhere he went. And how many know it did? It did everywhere he went. There was deliverance and there was healing and there was miracles and the devil couldn't stop it, couldn't do anything about it. Now get this though, this is significant. So what does he do to try to stop the anointing? What does he do to try to prevent this anointing from being manifest and destroying his works? He tries to get Jesus to sin. Then could it have had an effect 
on the anointing if he had sinned? Does it have an effect on us and the anointing and call on our life if we sin? There hadn't been enough talked about this. People, you know, in word and faith and charismatic circles, they focus, you know, only on the power, on the anointing, God's call on my life, the anointing on my life. You can have one of the most amazing calls and anointing on your life that's been on the earth and do nothing with it if you keep yielding to temptation and falling in sin. The anointing won't be manifested. The call won't be fulfilled. Can you see why the enemy is working so much on people to keep them in sin? Keep them in sin. Why? Because he'll keep you powerless. He'll keep you defeated. What happens to you when you sin? Condemnation. Guilt. Shame. Embarrassment. That's why a lot of people are not in church tonight. Hmm? That's why a lot of people don't go to church anymore. Well, they're certainly not doing the will of God and fulfilling his call on their life, are they? We need to see it's no small, insignificant thing to fall in sin and fall in sin and fall in sin. That's how you can waste your life and time down here and never fulfill your call. And never operate in the power and anointing that God intended that you do. Are there benefits of resisting and not giving in? Yes, there are. Keep reading. Verse 2, being 40 days tempted of the devil. We talked about how the devil is persistent, didn't we? 40 days tempted of the devil. Matthew 4, 3 says the tempter came to him. Who is the tempter? The devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Now let's stop here. Why did he eat nothing? Why would that be a factor in resisting temptation? Hmm? How many believe he must have had it in his spirit that that's what he should do? He must have felt led to do that. Why? Because the flesh is the weak link. Listen to scriptures. You know them, but let's talk about it. Matthew 26, 41 He said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? Somebody say weak. 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 What's the weak link in your being, in your person? What's the part the enemy uses to get in? The flesh is the weak link. Uh, Mark uh, 14, 38 says, the spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Another translation in verse 41 said, The Spirit wants to do what is right, but the body is weak. If you study Romans 7 and Galatians 5, he talks about the conflict between your spirit and your flesh. You want to do right in your spirit, but there's something in your flesh wants to do wrong. So what's fasting got to do with it? How many understand fasting is controlling your physical desire? In order to do that, you got to control it. And especially that many days, do you think his flesh was saying, feed me. <laughs> feed me. What's the issue here? Friend, yielding to the flesh in small things makes you more likely to yield in big things. Putting the flesh under in small things makes you more likely to put the flesh under in big things. 
if you won't resist a temptation about ten dollars, are you really going to resist a temptation about ten thousand dollars? Hmm? If you can't say no to a Snickers bar. <laughs> you might know what I'm talking about now. See, but people don't want to believe that. Oh, well, yeah, you know, I give in a lot on this little stuff. But, you know, big things, I'd stand my ground. I'm sorry, no. No, you're indicating that you're in yielding mode. You know, you're tempted to do this and it ain't going to ruin everybody's life. And you know you shouldn't, but you do. 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 And here's something that's going to ruin your life. What mode are you already in? You know you shouldn't, but you do. There's a little two-letter word we need to use on our flesh on a regular basis, even when we don't have to. Come on now, it ain't going to change everybody's world and life, but it's something we need to stay in practice on our flesh. What's that word? Anybody know what? N-O, no, just put your flesh under on that. Just don't let yourself do that, and don't let yourself do that. And then what mode are you in? When the more serious, you're in resisting mode. I said, you're in resisting mode. And how many understand, he would not have done this unless it somehow helped him in what came up later. I mean, he's got his flesh way under. Can you see this? He's got his flesh so way under that when the enemy comes to tempt He's ready. Notice what else happened? At the end of this time, he's hungry. Somebody say, he's hungry. But his flesh is under control. He's hungry and the devil said to him, If you be the Son of God, command that this stone, this stone that it be made bread. This is the very thing he's been already putting his flesh under in for 40 days, right? Has he been resisting this for days now? So what does he do now? Same thing. No change. Resisting. Now, you know, you ought not just say, well, I'm going to fast for 40 days. No, you should do what the Lord leads you to do. When else did he do this? You'd have to add to the Bible to say he ever did it any other time. And I understand this is a not a usual set of temptations here. And the Lord will lead you what you need to do and what I need to do. It might be skip this. It might be go a day. It might be two or three. It might be leave this particular thing off for a week. I mean, Daniel, in the book of Daniel, it talks about partial fasts. And you can fast a lot more than food. With a lot of folks, fasting TV would be harder to them than fasting food. <laughs> but if we'll pay attention to our heart, he will lead us at different times. And he knows what's coming up, doesn't he? And sometimes we don't know, well, why do I need to do that? Why do I need to put my flesh under like that? He knows what's coming up. Just pay attention. Just listen. Follow him. And if you do, you'll be ready. You'll be prepared. You'll already be in resisting mode. You'll already be in controlling my desires and wants mode. And so you'll just continue in it.
and not fall. But the devil said, if you be the Son of God, command this stone that it may be bread. Now what are we studying? We're studying how to resist. And here, how many of we got the champion right here? We got with the best that ever was on resisting. Nobody in history has ever lived their whole life and never gave in. But he did. So how did he do it? Do we need to learn how he did it? How did he do it? Come on, read the next thing. Read the next thing. What did he say? Jesus answered him. And he said. And he said. It is written. Oh, friend, you want to know how to resist? We just saw it in three words right there. How do you resist? It is written. What is written? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. It is written. How do you resist? When your flesh is pulling on you. Part of you wants to do it. Your flesh is pulling on you. How many believe there's power in this word? There's power to give you strength to stand and withstand. There's power to shut down what the devil is lying about. No matter what he's saying, there's a word that's just bigger than him and will overcome him and shut him down. And instead of you sitting there wavering, is it right, is it wrong? The word says this. That's it. Come on, say it out loud. The word says this. That's it. The Word says you don't do that. The Word says that's wrong. The Word says this. How many believe the Spirit of God will bring to your remembrance every word, the right word at the right time? But now how many understand Jesus didn't start looking at the Word last week on this, did He? We see Him, what, at about age 12 or so? You know, years ago, He's in the temple He's asking questions about what? He wants to know about this Word, doesn't he? He wants to understand this Word. That's an amazing concept that the Word wants to know about the Word. (laughs) But it's because he emptied himself and became like other men. And like, like a man has to learn. He had to learn how to talk. He had to learn how to walk. He had to learn how to read. He had to learn how to, you know, understand the Word. But at age 12... He's on it, isn't he? Other kids are still throwing sticks and kicking balls. And he says, I got to be about my father's business. I got to learn this word. How many understand that what's happening right now in the wilderness, God has been preparing him for all his life. He's been getting him ready since that time. Amen. Glory to God. And he's got the word in him. Somebody say the word. The word. The word. How are you going to resist temptation? How are you going to overcome? Is there a right word from God for every situation? A word that lets you know what's right and what's wrong. The word that gets you out of confusion and keeps you clear as a bell. The word. Oh friends, it's wise people that read their chapter every day. It's wise people that show up for service every time and are listening. And are focusing and feed their spirit at other times. You know, we got so many means of feeding our spirit nowadays. There's just, there's no excuse, is there? I mean, you heard these people. I mean, that one lady just jumped in. Now she's what, hearing four and five messages a day. Well, she's on it. Well, will this help prepare her for future temptations to help her not to fall? 
And even though she might have been listening, driving down her car and hearing some things on a Wednesday afternoon and not know that it had any application to her. But then a year later, God bring that word back up to her and show her how it applies to this. And she is able to say, it is written. It is written. And stand. And not fall. And not yield. Glory to God. Keep reading. Verse 5, the devil takes him up into a high mountain and showed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this power, this authority will I give you and I'll give you the glory of all of it for it's delivered to me and to whomsoever I will, I give it. Now, you know, some folk have tried to say, well, he's lying to him. He don't have all that. He couldn't give that to him. If he couldn't, it wouldn't be a temptation. And he would, how many think the Lord would know that? And yet the Bible tells us he was tempted. Wasn't he? See, this is what Jesus came into the earth for. How many understand It is written that the kingdoms of this world, they will become the kingdoms of our Lord. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the enemy is trying to give him a shortcut. And there was obviously something in him, just like the first temptation. How many believe there was something in Jesus wanted to turn those stones into bread and eat and fill up your belly? Well, you know it was. Now, the Bible talks about this in 1 John. It says, you know, it talks about how that all that's in the world, the ungodly stuff, is not of the Father. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lust just means desire, strong desire or longing. And these three things is what you see here. The enemy's tempting him with the desire of the flesh to eat. The longing of the flesh to be satisfied. And fleshly appetites are the same, whether it's sleeping or eating or sex or that's flesh, that's physical. But then now what's he doing? He showed him something. He showed him something. And his eyes are looking at all these kingdoms and all the glory. And how I many know something in him, it rang true. He's supposed to rule over all this, right? He's supposed to be king of kings and lord of lords. And what's the devil saying? Ah, oh, you ain't got to go to the cross. You ain't got to go through all that. Just bow the knee to me and it's yours. And he was tempted. He was tempted. How did he resist the temptation? Come on, help me out. Huh? Look at the next thing. How did he do it? How many understand the way he did it is the way we need to be doing it, right? How did he do it? What did he say? Come on, tell me out loud. What did he say? Is he resisting the devil? He's not giving in. He didn't say, tell me more. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to do it. But uh, exactly how many kingdoms are we talking about? I'm not saying I will, but uh, show me that again. How many armies is that? How many gold banks? And how many understand you can't play with this? You can't toy with this. 
To think you can, you're strong enough that you can, is to be a fool. And play right into the enemy's device. Because I'm understanding he is, there ain't nobody on the earth more slick than him. He is, oh, he is subtle. He is so crafty. He can say, now, I mean, he'll talk whatever kind of game you want to talk. He'll say, now, now I know you're not going to do this. We all know. You're not going to do it. But you know, what would it hurt? To look, you know, you could help other people that's dealing with this, but you got to know more about it. Let me show you some more. How I many? He's slick. He's slick. What did Jesus do? He didn't ask any questions. He didn't say, could you explain? What did he say? It is written. What? Is there a word for this temptation? How many believe there's a word for every temptation? There's a word for every temptation. It is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shalt thou serve. Well, then what else is there to consider? But what gives him this clarity? What keeps him in the clear and not confused? The Word. Oh, friends, this is worth shouting about tonight. Now, what can keep you clear as a bell? What can keep... Because the enemy tries to confuse you all. I mean, there's all kinds of songs written about it. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. How could anything that feels so good be wrong. How many understand that is not it is written. And you almost already failed. I mean, you were already on your way. It is written, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. It is written, thou shalt not commit adultery. It is written. Yeah, but my spouse don't treat me right and and theirs don't treat them right. And I've never clicked with anybody like this. They get me. <laughs> you don't even know them. But see, people are talking. All, I'm talking about Christians now. They're talking all that junk instead of. It is written. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. It is written. You shall not commit adultery. It is written. And if you believe that, and if the Word is the final authority in your life, that's it. That's it. I don't care what your flesh is screaming and what's going on, what's saying. That's it. How did Jesus resist? With the Word. How did He overcome? That's the lust of the eyes. What else happened? Jesus was brought, he brought, the devil brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you be the Son of God, basically he's saying, then prove it. Now friends, this is a subtle thing here. He's challenging Jesus, do you really believe Psalm 91? Prove it. Boy, there's been many a person in so-called word and faith circles fell for this one. Do you believe it? Do you really believe you're healed? Throw your medicine away. Prove it. Do you really believe you're healed? Do you really believe God is meeting all your needs? Do you really believe it? Then go ahead and write that check. 
I mean, the money ain't in the bank, but write it if you believe it. If you really believe, prove it. God never tells you that. We are not called to prove our faith to anybody except God. Not you, not anybody. I'm to believe Him. I'm to obey Him. And He is not throwing out gauntlets and challenges. How many know Jesus Himself, on other occasions, people said, Physician, heal yourself. What you, we've heard you do these works in other places. Do them here. Did He ever accept their challenge? Did he ever say, well, I'll just show you who I am. I'll show you. Never. Why? Because that would be him glorifying himself. And what this is about is you proving what you can do. And what did Jesus say? I can of my own self do nothing. And that's what you and I got to get settled in us. Prove that you believe that, hey, I ain't called to prove anything to you. Nothing. And people say, prove to us that any of those people got healed. Prove that they didn't. It ain't my job. I'm not called to go into all the world and prove to you. But proclaim it. Believe it myself. See, he's challenging him. He's taunting him. Jump, jump. And the devil's quoting scripture to Jesus. Isn't he? For it's written. Because see, Jesus keeps slapping him with that, doesn't he? I mean, it is written. It is written. And how many understand, these other two things are over. The bread deal. The kingdoms of the world deal. Why? Because the devil knew he ain't moving off this. Ain't no need. We can be here from now to 50 years and he'll still be hollering, it is written. It is written because the word don't change. And he's not going to change. It is written. If it was wrong 20 years ago, it's wrong today. It is written. He's clear. He's not confused. So he goes to something else. Lust of the flesh didn't work. Lust of the eyes didn't work. So he's going to hit pride of life. And he starts out by going, it is written. As you're so fun to say it. <laughs> He's trying to play his game, isn't he? He's trying to trip him up in his own salvation. The thing that is enabling him to be... Is the devil tricky or what? Oh, he's crafty. Don't try to play head games with the devil now, I'm telling you. He's been doing this for thousands of years. Do not try to play head games with him. You're not in his class. But if you'll hold him in the faith arena and the word arena, nothing he can do with you. But if you're going to match wits with him, he'll laugh. He'll toy with you and wrap you up in your own imaginations. And he'll flatter you. He'll go, you're smart. You're really smart. You're probably one of the smartest believers I've ever dealt with. (laughs) And he has got you, man. He's got you. So he tries to beat Jesus at the very thing that he's beaten him with, that's how crafty and subtle he is. It's written, his angels have been given, he's given his angels charge over you, and they will bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Do you believe that? 
do you really, really believe that? So jump already. Prove it. Talk is cheap. Jump. Jump. Oh, you're, it is written. It is written. Well, there it is. It is written. Jump. No, jump ain't written. <laughs> it ain't written. Jump off the pinnacle of the temple. But that's how he works. He tries to take a truth and twist it and make it say something that it didn't say. How do you beat somebody messing with the word trying to feed you it is written all messed up? How do you beat it? You beat it with another it is written. Come on, tell me what he said. Jesus answered said to him, it is said, and that's the same as it is written. It was said and then it was written down what was said. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. So is he jumping? No. He ain't jumping today. He ain't jumping tonight. He ain't jumping tomorrow. He ain't never jumping. Well, prove that you, I don't have to prove a thing to you. It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He didn't tell me to jump. You did. I'm not going to test him to see whether he'll hold up his word or not. I trust him. I don't need to test him. I'm not going to tempt him and test him. Oh, come on, get this next part now. This will will excite you. And when the devil had ended, somebody say ended. Ended. Ended all the temptation. He departed from him for a season. What's the good news? This stuff cannot last indefinitely. I know sometimes it may seem like it goes on and on, but it has to end. It has to end. Put up 1 Corinthians 10.13, please, on the screen. 1 Corinthians 10.13. He talks about it. He said, There is no temptation taken you. But such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Somebody say God is faithful. Was God faithful to Jesus during this wilderness temptation? God is faithful. He will not suffer. He will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able. That's how we know there is no such thing as an irresistible temptation. God won't allow it. He will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that you are able. Able to what? Able to resist. But will with the temptation make a way to escape. Glory to God. So that you can bear it. Did Jesus escape? Did he come out? Did he resist and overcome? Did God help him? Did you know the scripture tells us? Here's another thing to do now. And I'm closing with this I think. How do you resist? Put your flesh under in the smaller areas on a daily basis. Sometimes the Lord will deal with you to put it under extra. And if you're smart and I'm smart, we'll do it because he knows what's coming up. And he'll have us ready and prepared. He'll have already have us in the resisting mode instead of the yielding mode. And then also, what do you do when the enemy brings thoughts to your mind and he brings feelings? He's trying to confuse you. He's trying to muddy the waters. He's trying to get you to think, oh, it ain't so bad. Is it really wrong? Do we know what clears the mind? What focuses it? What shuts him down? It is written. Do you need to know what is written? 
Do you need to live in the Word? Do you need to hear it all the time? Yes. And as you do, a reservoir is being built up inside you. A word for every reason. A word for every temptation. A word for every day and night. And when something comes up and the enemy's trying to confuse you and mess with you and tempt you and pull you about it, a word will jump up in your spirit and you'll say, uh-uh, no, no, this ain't right because it is written. And it'll just clear the smoke and clear the junk and you can shut it down. And sometimes the enemy may persist, you know, here 40 days, 40 nights. He may persist, but there will come a time when there is an end to it. And he sees, you're not changing now, and you ain't going to change 50 years, so why mess with you about it? I mean, he might as well leave and try another tactic. And I understand, he did everything he knew how to do. He exhausted his bag of tricks and had to leave for a while and tried to come up with something else. And I understand the rest of Jesus' life, he never did get him. Never. Never got him. See, this hasn't been held up and admired as much as it should be. There are some people, even baby Christians, they are proud of their ability to seduce and trick and turn on the charm and and deceive people. You're to be pursuing an ability to resist, like Jesus. How many understand this is admirable, what happened with Jesus in the wilderness? This is glorious. This is to be honored. This is to be respected. It's not respectful that you could deceive somebody that you could seduce somebody that you I mean that's the devil what's admirable is that no matter what's poured on you (laughs) nothing sticks you just resist and resist and resist how many understand a person like this is a faithful person a person like this is a stable person a strong, that's the kind of person you want in your life, right? Now, somebody that's falling every other day or somebody that no matter what comes, Amen. man, they just resist and resist and resist like the master. Somebody say, he's my hero. He's my hero. I live like him. I, like him. I, follow him. I follow him. I resist like him. I overcome like him. I win. I, win. I live free, I live free. Like, him. like him. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. What was I telling you before I got off on that? It ends. He departed from him for a season. Stand up on your feet, why don't you, everybody? We read down to verse 13. The devil had ended all the temptation. He departed from him for a season. And verse 14, it says, Jesus returned... After all this, in the power of the Spirit. Say it out loud. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. That's Luke 4.14. Jesus did what? Say it out loud. He returned what? In the power of the Spirit. Now, if you follow the rest of the passage here, the Bible said he walked into the synagogue and the demons cried out, Ah, 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 we know who you are. Don't hurt us. Don't hurt us. Don't hurt us. He said, Shut up and get out of here. And they left. 
and healings and myth. This was what the devil was scared spitless about. This is what he tried his best to stop from happening. But when Jesus wouldn't yield, he wouldn't fall. What happened? He came out with all that anointing, not just on him, but manifesting all that power, all that anointing. And how many know he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil and signs and wonders followed his ministry. Wonder what would happen for us when we quit yielding. Oh, come on. When we quit yielding and quit giving in. When we start resisting like him. When we start standing their ground and overcoming. Would we come out? of these situations in the power of the Spirit? Would we come out having passed the test? Would we come out proven and approved for promotion? For more you be more used of God? Would we come out to a higher place? Did He come out on a higher plane than what He went in there? And it went on and on for year after year until He met the appointments to pay the price for you and I. Showing us. How many remember after this you see him speak to the wind and waves and they obeyed him. You see him shut up demons. You see him drive out disease. You see people's lives change. You see prostitutes and thieves and lepers and dead people coming back to life. Is this worth saying no to a temptation? Somebody say glory to God. Yes. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.